Well, good morning again. Yes, got your uh, coffee and your pastries and you're ready to roll, ready to learn, ready to be challenged. Your heart's already been ignited in faith and you are ready to see God do incredible things. Amen? Amen. Amen. Good. Well, this is, a, this is an interesting day today. I'm not promising you anything, so this is a possibility. This could be our last day in Philippians. Oh my, yes. It's been a year and a couple months, and we may be making our exit. We'll see how today goes. See how excited you guys are about learning today. All right. We were, uh, last time we were, last time I was here and healthy, which was not last week. Thank you, Pastor Stephen, wherever you are, for doing an amazing fill-in message. Not a fill, like for filling in and doing an amazing message, bringing the Word of God and uh, touching your guys' hearts and, and uh, stirring things and being excited. So I was, I was a flu last week. So I flied, and now I'm here. So excited to be back with you guys again, healthy. So the last time that I was here, we talked about being content. Say content. Amen. Have you been working on the contentment of your heart? And what we, the crux of the matter was that Paul in the second, in the, in the chapter four of Philippians is telling us how to stand firm, how to be strong, right? How to, how to stand in strength and not be wishy-washy, not be blown all over the place, not be, oh, I wonder if I can make it today, right? And not just to have like, we all have seasons of that, but it shouldn't be like that every day. And Paul was just kind of breathing out this, this chapter of strength as he's closing out Philippians and saying, here's how you stand firm. In the first part, we talked about mental health and all that kind of stuff and anxiety and how we think. And then the second part of that is more of what we're calling kingdom flow. It's how do, how do the resources of God and our gifts and like, how do we stand firm in that? How do we, how do we walk in a solid Christian life as he's kind of making his way to the end of this letter? And so, you know, the Philippian church sent a gift. That's where the whole letter came from. So Paul was able to send this letter back with Epaphroditus. And this is our verse last time. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content. I've learned to set my heart at rest. I've learned to find contentment. Remember all the pictures that I showed you of, you know, vacation and great food and all that kind of stuff? I was very content in those pictures. But that's not the contentment that Paul's talking about here. He's not talking about contentment from external things. He's talking about an internal contentment that comes from Jesus. And Paul learned how to do that. It wasn't part of the, the base equipment of, of his Christianity. He had to learn that. Look at your neighbor. Say, we got to learn. we got to learn. we got to learn how to be content. So he goes on to say, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do all of this, or I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Ah, amen. That's good, good stuff. So we're moving on today to the next verse, verse 14. And we're going to read two, two slides, and then we'll go back and talk about them a little bit. Okay, so two slides of Scripture today. So if you're in your Bibles, it's in chapter 4. We're starting in verse 14. 
And he says, yes, it was good of you. To, so, so hold on. So the verse before, he's saying, hey, I've learned to be content. You know, thanks for whatever, but I've learned to be content. So then he goes on to this next part. He says, yet. Say yet. yet. So he's kind of like, he's, he's saying, but. He's like, because he made this big point about contentment. Then he's saying, yet. Hold on. But it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Verses 17 through 20, that'll be our verses for today, these two slides. Not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and I have more than enough. I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gift that you sent. They are a fragrant offering, acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's dive into this chunk of scripture. What are we going to walk away with today? What, what is the Holy Spirit wanting to tell us? Well, I hope that I've heard the right thing and that's the right accurate information to answer that question. But we want to go back to the first slide and I want to look at that word right there. It was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared, say shared, not one church shared, participated, partnered with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. What is this word shared talking about? Well, it's, it's our first point for the day. We're going to talk about partnership and sharing. It's the word koinonio, which sounds very much familiar. If you've been in the church at all since 1970, it sounds a lot like the sign that a lot of churches have over their coffee bar. It's koinonia. And they mean essentially the same thing. I think, I think it's uh, gender verbs or whatever or, or placement. But koinonio and koinonia are the same thing. When we talk about koinonia, does anyone, raise your hand if you've ever heard the word koinonia before. Anyone know what that kind of means or what, or what we think it means or, or what? Fellowship. fellowship. Yep, it means fellowship. Right. Yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> and that's how we use it. And that's, that is certainly a component of it, for sure, 100%. And I don't have anything, any problem with anyone putting koinonia over their coffee shop. I think it's great. But it's, the word is so much deeper than just fellowship. It means to come into communion or fellowship with, to become a sharer, or to be made a partner. And Paul was saying that, that you guys were the only church that shared with that, koinonioed with me. You were the only church that koinonioed with me in the matters of giving and receiving. In this idea of partnership and sharing. Okay? So what did, like, like hold on. Just everyone push pause. Take a breath. This is not a trick question. Epaphroditus showed up to Paul with some gifts, okay? So they brought money. I don't know if they brought food or if they brought clothes or whatever else they brought, but they brought help for Paul, okay? So the Philippian church did probably a lot what we do here. 
hey guys, I just want to let you know about a need. I want to wonder if the Lord moves on your heart, let's, let's give to whatever. And then we pass around the offering plates, just write on your check, Paul and Philippi, right? There's offering envelopes in your back, in the back. If you want to, if you want to give to Paul and Philippi, you know, write that down, and that we're going to make sure that every dollar that comes in goes goes to Paul and Philippi. Like that's a, in essence what the church did. They took an offering. We don't know exactly how it went, but they helped Paul. And so here's what I want to clue us in today. The whole the whole rest of is I want to peel the curtain back on what how God saw what was going on and how Paul saw what was going on because it was a lot more than often we see what's going on. Raise your hand if you've ever given to a special offering like that before. You've ever given money to, to help someone because their house burnt down or help this missionary or whatever. Right, I mean, almost all of us have. And so this is what was going on with Paul is that the Philippi church had sent gifts with Epaphroditus now, Paul is wanting to do something here. He's wanting to kind of, right, pull the curtain back and show the Wizard of Oz, right? Like kind of show what's, behind, what's going on behind the scenes. And that's what he's doing here. He's saying, he's saying no one koinoniaed with me. So here's what I want to do to help us to get a better sense of what that word means. It's used some other places in Scripture. So if you'll come along with me on a little journey through Scripture today, Okay, I'll do it anyways. <laughs> it might be just me, but you can rewatch it on the tape later if you decide you don't want to come along today. Romans 12, verses 9 through 13, is there's this word koinonio, and it's, and it's translated share here. So I'm just going to read this chunk of scripture. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. It's just kind of this, all right, let's live well. All right, be devoted to one another. Okay, so we're seeing a little more devoted to one another. That sounds like more commitment to me, okay? Honor one another above yourselves. Okay, wait a minute. Now you're kind of stepping on toes. Paul, you're telling us to really, like really love people here. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Huh, that fits in with today. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Coin a neo with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Invite people into your home. Share with them. Cook meals for them. Give them places to sleep if they need it. Right? So that's, that's a very similar thing as to what was going on with Paul. This coin a neo, it's, it's not just fellowship. It, is, it certainly is. But it's more of entering into a deeper partnership. Right? Because all these other things, like they're, they're really, Paul's really challenging in, in Romans here. He's really challenging the church to, you know, walk this out. Like, man, don't just be like, hey guys, how are you doing? Hey, you want part of my Snickers? Okay, and then you like, it's more than that. It's like be committed to one another. Like in, invite each other into your homes, practice hospitality, honor others above yourselves. Like it, it's intense. Okay, I can see you're not convinced. It's all right. We'll go on to the next one. Galatians chapter 6. I knew you were probably thinking of that one. Each one should test their own actions, Paul says again. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Now, he's hinting at a little bit more here. He's saying if someone's, and we certainly believe this, we, you know, if, if someone's instructing you in the word of God, then we should reciprocate that and we should give good gifts back to the person who's 
you know, involved in teaching. And so what, what Paul was pointing to here is this sharing, this partnership. And the one who's instructing you in the word is going to dig in and, and teach you the ways of the word. And you are able to then reciprocate that and help them out in, in maybe financial ways or with other needs in their life or whatever. That, so we're just, he's giving us a little clue. Although we're not going to spend a lot of time on that because I've got some more verses. I've got some other ones. If you don't like the first two, but, but wait, there's more. If you act now, <laughs> that's fine. I, I, I knew you guys wouldn't like those, but there's another one. There's a better one. Just hang on. Stay with me. 1 Timothy 5.22 is the word koinonio. Do not be hasty in the laying out of hands and do not share, do not koinonio in the, what? In the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Do not koinonio in the sins of others. Do you see how this is about more than having coffee with each other? Is anyone with me today? I'm just trying, I'm trying to give us a picture of what this word is indicating. This word koinonio. What am I doing if I'm sharing in the sins of others? I didn't stumble or fall, right? I didn't get tripped up. I decided that whatever ungodly thing that they were doing, I was now going to walk over and align my life with the direction that their life is going. And they're going to share a little of their wickedness with me, and I'm going to pick it up, and I'm going to now participate. I'm going to become partners with them in what they're doing. So if they're, whatever, they're lying about something, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree with them. Yep, it really didn't happen like that, right? Like all of a sudden now you're a partner in this ungodly thing and you're share your coin and neoing in it. It's it's a partnership. It's a linking arms and a giving and taking and an exchange, which does happen and with coffee and fellowship and you know, having meals together, there's a giving and taking and exchange, whatever. But it's deeper than that. It's partnering up and 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 partaking. Imagine instead of just like we think of sharing, like, like, oh, you know, you ever, like, you ever get out the good candy when the kids aren't around? <laughs> you ever keep the candy at your office where your husband never goes, and then he shows up one day, and he wants some of your candy. I'm like, where are you hiding all this? And my wife, in, because, because we all know she's the godly one, and, you know, she's the gentle one. Like, we know that, right? Every, like, Kirk and Marnie, Kirk's rough around the edges, Marnie's refined, and she loves Jesus and whatever. You know what? You know what her response was? Stay out of my stash. <laughs> oh, how much Jesus is there now? <laughs> That's what we think of sharing is. But I want... Think of sharing instead of my wife reluctantly opening up her Twizzlers and sharing some <laughs> Twizzler bites with me. Think of sharing more as you and someone else planning a meal together and both of you taking, coming up with the grocery list that you need and then going separately but with the same intention and purpose. And then when we get to the house, we help each other set the table to get, like, there's this involvement and this partnership. 
okay, well, I guess, so you're going to shoot the deer then? Yep, all right, all right, we'll cut it up later then, we'll have Chislik, and all right, okay, there's, a, there's an involvement, and we're kind of setting our hearts in the same direction. It's not just, here, I'll give you a bite of my stuff. That's what I'm trying to point to, is the word koinonio is, is much more than just sitting together. There's an opening of hearts and a linking of visions and a joining of arms and a giving and a receiving on both parties. So, next verse. Now that we know that Marnie doesn't like to share her Twizzler bites. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 says, Now since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also koinonioed in these so that through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who are in slavery all their lives by their fear of death. Jesus did not give us some of his Twizzler bites. I want you to get that this is not just sharing like, okay, I won't be stingy. How committed was Jesus in order to leave heaven and clothe himself with, with flesh? How, like, what level of commitment is that? Right? I mean, like, it's beyond what we can imagine. That's koinonio. Is a giving and taking, a participation, a linking of arms, a joining of vision. I want to partner with you. And Jesus said, the only way that I can save you is that I would partner with your humanity. Just have a Twizzler bite? Is that good enough? No, I had to be born in a cold stable in a manger to human people and walk through the sights and sounds and smells of this temporal earth in a fleshly body and feel pain and cold and loneliness and suffer through that and then be rejected and suffer and die. That's koinonio. I'm going to participate. I'm going to share with your humanity. I'm going to enter into that. I'm going to become a partner in that. Koinonio. I think this is the last one. 1 Peter chapter 4. Koinonio. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you koinonio with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. You can partner, you can koinonio with Christ in his suffering by joyfully going through your own trials. You partner with Christ. Like, we don't talk about this because you shouldn't talk about suffering in church. It makes us feel bad. But Peter's telling us that you get to be koinonio, you get to share, you get to fellowship with Jesus in his sufferings as you walk through your own trials with joy and hopeful expectation that the glory of God's going to be revealed in you. Koinonio. It's not just coffee, is it? Right? Are you at least getting a little inkling that it's more than just fellowship? It certainly is. But it's deeper than that. It's richer than that. It's more intimate than that. It's more connected than that. It's more involved than that. Koinonio. So Paul said, you are the only church to koinonio with me. So what did they do? Well, they took up an offering for Paul. 
I want to pull the curtain back, like I've said 10 times already. I want you to see what you might miss sometimes when you get out your checkbook and you write a check. And that's what we need to see happen. We're facilitating things like that. But I want you to see how God sees it. And I want you to see how Paul was seeing it. He's saying, you didn't just help me. Come on, church. Get this. You didn't just help me out. I wasn't just cold and you gave me a coat. I wasn't just hungry and you gave me some food. I wasn't just needed to meet my needs and you wrote me a check. First Church of Philippi, right? We'll just run it all through the church there. He said, you coin and kneeled with me in the same way that Christ participated with us in our fleshy humanity, the same way that we participate with him in his sufferings, the same way that you shouldn't coin and kneel with people in their sin and, and partner with that. You partnered with Paul in the ministry. And, you know, different people work for different ministries and we call them partners or whatever. And that's where this idea comes from. But I think we, we kind of dumb it down sometimes. I think we kind of, we minimize what we're actually doing. When we have people come through here and, and preach, when we, when we give, we give uh, monthly to, uh, I think, seven different ministries and missionaries, we just send out letters and we're kind of hearing back from them what they're all doing and who's all getting saved and what lives are being changed and it's exciting. And when we do that, we're partner, we're koinonioing with them. And we can't physically be there, but we're joining our hearts with their heart. We're joining our vision with their vision. We're joining our resources with what they're doing. I want you to see this. I, I hope I'm getting through that. It's more than just writing a check. It's more than just, because we're talking about standing firm and establishing the kingdom of God and not being wishy-washy. Paul is saying, you partnered with the work of the gospel. You partnered with that. You koinoneeled with that. And I can see a whole bunch of the Philippian church as they're reading that going, what did we do that? I didn't even know. Hey, Irv, did you know we even did that? What did, hold on. Who did the koinoneo thing? I didn't even know, Pastor, when did we do that? And I think they probably had to explain, wow, Paul used this word. Like we're fellowshipping, like we're partnered with him. That sounds kind of serious. I thought we just helped him out because he was cold. I thought we just took an offering for him. Right. But Paul doesn't see it that way and God doesn't see it that way. All right. Point number two. So we partner in Koinonio. The second thing I see out of this scripture is that this act that they did, it was an offering pleasing to God. Do you remember that? Let's read it. Starting in verse 17. Not that Paul's saying, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire that is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment, and I have more than enough. I'm amply supplied. Now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. Listen, hold on. This little, this little section just tucked right in here in Philippians chapter 4. He said they're a fragrant offering. Hold on. You guys got smelly money? Come on, just read your Bibles. Like, I mean, just read it. Like, like, wait a minute. Ask. Ask good questions. What do you mean it's a fragrant? Like, something smell funny here? Like, what, what do you mean it's fragrant? What does fragrant mean? Smelly. Like, good smelly, bad smelly. It's, it's olfactory, right? It's fragrant. There's an aroma. What's the aroma? Did he send hot dish? <laughs> Was it fragrant? 
I'm just, I'm kind of being funny, but I'm kind of being serious. You should ask questions like that when you're reading. What was fragrant about it? Why did it smell? Huh, interesting. They're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice. Well, that's sounding more like, like we're, this is New Testament. Jesus was our sacrifice. That's almost sounding like Old Testament language. Huh. And it was. That's what Paul's pointing to. And he's like, I thought we just gave some of our extra money because the Epaphroditus was going to go see Paul. I thought, I thought we just, isn't that what we just did? And Paul is making this big deal out of this because he's cluing us in to how the kingdom works. Listen to me. Give me your attention. He's cluing them in to how big of a deal this, hold on, they're not listening over there. They're cl- <laughs> Paul's like, let me clue you in. Let me pull back the curtain. Let me show you. Let me give you some insight into what's really going on here because you guys thought you just dropped a fiver in the plate. And then Epaphroditus hiked halfway across the world to take it to Paul. Well, I'm sure glad I'm not Epaphroditus, right? That's a long trip. And Paul's like, you don't understand what's going on here. In the same awe and reverence to God that an Old Testament offering was given and sacrificed, your fiver that you threw in the plate, it's a fragrant offering that's pleasing and acceptable to God. I had two fives and I just gave, you know, I think sometimes we really dumb down and Paul's like, I want you to see how the kingdom works. I want to show you how the kingdom works here. I want to show you what a big deal this is. And I can be excited preaching this to you guys because you're super generous, right? You guys are very much, you guys very much coin and eel. You get on board with stuff. So I'm hoping to kind of clue you into how cool you are, <laughs> right? And maybe spur some more of that because it's a big deal. Let's look at one of the, the verses in Exodus here. Exodus 29, verses 15 through 18. This is kind of their commandments of when they're kind of coming out of Egypt, you know, and they're in the, in the wandering in the wasteland there in the desert, giving instructions. And, and Moses said, take one of the rams, and Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on its head. All right? Oh, what noise does a ram make? I was going to... Bah! Good enough. <laughs> and just think of this. Put yourself, put, sight, smell, taste, touch. Put, your, put yourself in the middle of this story. Feeling the sweat in its fur. Smelling the manure that's been around it. Feeling it shiver as it's scared that, like, all the animal activists are going to get mad now, but this is Old Testament, okay? The head priest of Israel is there with his hand on the ram's head. And no pressure. The national priest is there hanging on to the head. If you're the butcher... <laughs> Right? Any pressure? Okay, hope this knife doesn't slip. Okay, Aaron and his sons are there with their hands on the head. People are intimate. They're involved in this. Slaughter it and take the blood. So they, right? Cut, <laughs> cut the ram into pieces. Wash its internal organ. All right, take this over to the basin. We got to wash off the kidney and the liver here. And the legs, putting them with the head and the other pieces, then burn the entire ram on the altar. 
Like this probably this isn't happening in like a second here. This this was at least minutes of, of time that took place. Then burn the entire ram on the altar. It's a listen, listen to me. Hang on. It's a burnt offering to the Lord. It's a sacrifice. A pleasing aroma. A food offering presented to the Lord. A pleasing aroma. The sacrifice that they did is a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Smells good. We made tacos last night. I already said that, but we had a, Taylor had a friend over and he came in. He's like, oh, it smells good in here, right? When Alan does his cooking around here, makes his soup and his buns, like, ah, that aroma. And your offerings, your giving is a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The Lord smells your sacrifice. I just thought I wrote a check. You're taking something that represents work and commitment and need, and you tap into an obedience and a generosity, and you give, and you partner with the people that you're helping, whether it's our local church here or whether it's other people that come through, and God sees that, calls it partnership, and smells your offering as you do that. Huh. I bet you guys will never look at writing a check or dropping some cash in the offering plate again quite the same, and I hope so. It's a pleasing aroma. All right, last point. So we partner and we coin a neo with those that we're, we're blessing and giving to. It's an offering that's pleasing to God, and then Paul wanted to, to give some insight into kingdom flow, like we've been talking about, and this divine economy. So let's, let's go through these verses just one more time. Not that I desire, back in verse 17 again, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more, say more, more be credited to your account. That more be credited. Again, we've got the accounting language, debits and credits, and that's exactly what he's using. He's using... This idea of, a, of the same word that you would use for a bank account in the old days. He's using the language that you have a spiritual account. And he wasn't saying that I want some to be given. He's saying I want more. I want, I want to make sure that more is credited to your account. And when you can, if you do an ancillary reading of this, you just kind of browse through it. Um, you could think like, oh, Paul's just saying I want to make sure that you get credit for, you know, like... Yay, you. You know, that's not what he's saying at all. He's pointing to a kingdom economy here. And he's saying, you've got an account with God. You've got a divine and a heavenly account. And I want to make sure that we celebrate this because you guys realize that you are making a deposit in your account. We've uh, just opened another account because the interest rates are, are going up. And so... We found one that has a really high interest rate, and so we just opened an account. And the, after you fill out all the who you are and prove who you are and give all the information, the kind of the last question, how would you like to fund this account? Great, you opened one. There's nothing in it, <laughs> right? You've established the account. Fantastic, but there's nothing in it. Oh, I've got an account, and it's got 400 bajillion percent interest. Oh, how much you got in there? Nothing. 
A thousand percent interest gains you exactly zero dollars on zero dollars. You get nothing in return if there's nothing funding the account. Are you with me? Right? right? Pretty simple, right? And Paul is saying, I want to make sure that we fund this eternal account, that as we use our faith and we see that you are walking in obedience, you're partnering with me, I'm excited about that. And why am I excited about that? I'm excited about that because it's funding your account. And I don't think this is just hyperbole and just kind of uh, colorful language. I think he's telling us how the kingdom of God works. In fact, I know he is. I know he is. You ever went to make a withdrawal and you're like, eh, eh. What? <laughs> eh, eh. <laughs> Come on. I need these groceries. <laughs> right? If there's nothing in the count, there's nothing to draw out. Now, we could rely on the grace of the people in line saying, yeah, I'll just pay for that, you know, the person behind you or whatever. But that's a bad way to live. Doesn't mean there's not generous people out there or the store might just say, hey, we've, we've, we've got a slush fund for people just like you that can't seem to remember your money or can't remember to put money in the bank. But you won't do that for very long, right? <laughs> like you might get through one or two or six times, but pretty soon they're going to be like, oh, here comes Mr. <laughs> right? Dude, did you, do, did you do anything to prevent the, the noise on the card there? Well, no, I just keep hoping that, you know, you're generous. And there's, there's grace. There's generosity. Yeah, there is. But I think you've exhausted that. <laughs> you should deposit into your account. Are you tracking with me here? This is a spiritual principle. Well, God's, God's going to meet my needs. And he's going to supply everything. And, and Paul's like, did you, aunt, aunt, did, you, did you put anything in the account? Did you put anything in the account? God's giving us a glimpse into how heaven's economy works. Like, if you're generous, if you are obedient, if you walk in that, then you're funding your account. And this is, it's, it's hard sometimes to just read the word of God and say what it says without kind of sounding like prosperity gospel or, all right, well, if I give God, then he's going to give me 10 cars or something. You know what? That's not what we're talking about at all. But we are talking about what's in the Bible. This, it's in the Word of God. So just because some people are not comfortable with it doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it because it's right in the Bible. You are funding your account by your gifts and your sacrifices that are pleasing to the Lord. You're making a deposit. You want to be making deposits. Unless you want to get a spiritual, <laughs> right? We want to be funding the account. And he says later, Hold on now. Let's, let's look down here. So that more would be, you've already got some in your account, but more would be credited to your account. And then he goes down and he says, they're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Jesus Christ. And I want to just challenge you that we love to slap that verse on our fridges and forget the context that it comes in. This is a responsatory, I don't even think that's a word. It's a responsive statement to the previous chunk of scripture. Why is God going to meet their needs according to his riches and glory? I'll tell you why. It's because they funded their account. I don't like that, preaching pastor. <laughs> 
God's just good and he's just going to help me. There is grace. Man, God is abundant in grace. But he's also fund your account, <laughs> right? Puts them in the bank. And Paul is able to make this response. Every single commentary that I read on this, and it was a lot, they never agree. Like, they, I mean, because they're all over the place and all different kind of denominations and stuff. They all agree on this, that this was, a, this was a responsive statement. And the context of this is Paul can say with confidence, God is going to meet your needs because you funded the account. You funded your, there's a reciprocal event that's happening here. And you're funding out of your generosity. God's going to reciprocate out of his generosity. Guess whose generosity is bigger? <laughs> Come on. Come on. God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Jesus Christ. That's really good. Warren Wearsby says this. Paul does not see this gift simply as coming from Philippi. Listen, he sees it as supply of his need from heaven. Paul's trust was in the Lord. And there's an interesting contrast between Philippians 18 and 19. We might state it this way if we were to paraphrase Paul. You met my need so God's going to meet your need. You met the one need that I have, but my, my God will meet all of your needs. You gave out of your poverty, but God will supply your needs out of his riches and glory. You funded the account. Great job. Guess what's in store for you now? The reciprocal meeting of your needs from God's riches and glory. Disagree if you want. It's right in the scripture. We just read it. Man, it's right out of the word of God. You're not convinced? Okay, there's more. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, the first 10%, the first and the best of all of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to flow. Oh, wait, it's reciprocal. You do this, God will do this. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Huh. Now we're not going to just camp out here for forever. We're, just, we're winding down. We're just about done. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8 says, Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves what kind of giver? Cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, yes, God's going to bless us, right? What's the context here? The context is... You get to decide the level of, of abundance, the level of blessing. God is able to do abundantly. You get to decide how able he is. I don't mean that how it sounded. He's infinitely able. You get to decide how much you tap into. You, it says it, right, that you sow sparingly. God promises you reap sparingly. You sow generously, you reap generously. And, he, and Paul puts, puts the, the onus on us. Each one of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Hey, no pressure here. You guys figure it out. You decide. Wherever you're at in your own heart, good. Great for you. But then he sets the stage and said, God's able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Doesn't that sound like a great place to walk? Does, does, does anyone want to walk like that? Yeah. That every urge prompted in my heart to do good works, to help someone, to bless my family, to be, to be a stable 
kingdom economic participator, God's able to bless you abundantly. As you walk in the generous sowing and the generous reaping, then in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. As you set your heart on generosity, walking in the favor of God, doing your part to fund your account, God will do his part. He goes on to say, now he's this same chapter, right? Just one verse right after another. Now he supplies the seed, seed, to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You don't get just harvest, you get seed. And you sow seed and you reap harvest. You don't reap seeds, you sow seeds. You're generous. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be stingy except for that one person. No. So you can be generous on all occasions. And that through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. One more in this line here. Verses 12 and 13 of this chapter. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord people, Lord's people. Again, he's saying, don't, don't limit your thinking on this. It's not just dropping a five in the plate, right? It's not just supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you've proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel. Wow, I thought I just wrote my tithe check. No, what you're doing is participating in kingdom economics here. Not only are you going to be blessed, but the people that are receiving are going to be blessed. The kingdom of God is going to be established. People are going to give praise to God because we're walking in obedience. We're being prepared on every occasion so that we can do the good works that God's prompted in our heart to do. I've funded my account and now he's flowing out of his knee, out of his gracious supply for my needs. Huh, that works. I like that. And for your generosity and sharing with them and everyone else, praise to God. Last slide is a quote from Kurt Truckus. A generous life is the kind of life God blesses. He blesses that kind of life because those are the people who will get God's resources where he wants those resources going. They aren't the kind of people who, would, who will hoard those resources. They're the kind of people who will use those resources. Come on. Paul's saying, Paul could have just been like, hey, thanks for helping me out. Man, I was hungry in jail here. Dude, awesome. Paul's like, I want to just take this as I'm exiting this letter and telling you how to stand firm, I want to show, I want to just kick one more thought in there. Stand firm in your kingdom flow as you're using your gifts and your resources to minister and bless and meet, remember, opportunity and need and desire as you're joining those three to see the good works of God being perpetuated on earth. Paul's like, I want to keep more of that going. I want to see those good works keep happening. So don't forget to fund your account. Don't forget to keep funding your account. Don't forget to keep being generous don't forget to keep bringing your tithes to church. Don't forget to keep sowing seeds, right, of a generous heart so that God can keep his supply fresh in your life. How many like that? Yeah, you want to walk in the supply of the Lord. Yeah. Amen. He'll meet all your needs according to his riches and glory because you funded the account so that you're tapped into his bank account. You tapped into his supply. You tapped into his generosity because you funded your account. You were generous yourself. You wrote it. You gave. You served. You loved. Amen? Yes. 
Yes and yes. God, I thank you for kingdom economics. Thank you that you can, that the harvest is always bigger than the seed. Thank you, God, that you are always, uh, we minister, we minister and we sacrifice and we bless out of the little that we have, but you bless us back out of the generosity and the abundance of what you have. Lord, and I just pray that you'd help us to be generous people, have us, help us to have hearts that don't clench on to what we have, but to to partner and to share in, in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen.